salvation by grace alone. Is it exclusive to the New Testament or do we see it in the Old as well? We'll take a look at that question and its answer next on today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, greetings and welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Amazing Grace is the title of our series in the book of Titus. We'll focus in on a lot of other passages throughout our time together today. God is the Savior in the Old Testament, just as He is in the New. We'll flesh that out for you today here on the broadcast. Also, I've got information for you about our upcoming Vacation Bible School here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, June 16th through the 20th. We'll tell you more about it at the close of our broadcast. But for now, let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. So when the scripture talks about the atonement, or it talks about the death of Christ, I want you to see this morning that it doesn't always say the world. It doesn't always refer to the whole world. Isaiah 53, 11 says this, that Jesus justified the many. Notice it says the many, not all, the many, as he will bear their iniquities. It says he bore the sins of many. That's a stark difference to bearing the sins of everybody, paying for the sins of everybody. Even in Matthew 20, 28, it says this, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for what? Many, not all, many. Matthew 26, 28, this is my blood, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, not all, many. Hebrews 9, 28, it even says, so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of the whole world, no, it says many. And so you have to be exact when you're studying the Word of God. You can't just throw verses, pull verses out here and there willy-nilly and say, oh, this, this proves my point. Scripture is telling us that the atonement, the sacrifice, will never ultimately reach everybody. It won't pay for the sins of everybody, but many or some. You say, well, how many is many? <laughs> One word, it's the elect. That's who the many are. And get out of your mind that it's going to be a lot of people because it's not. The Bible says few are those. The elect are the ones who believe because they've been chosen before the foundation of the world. And they've been shown the grace and mercy of God. And he grants them that saving grace and that saving faith. And he grants them the ability to repent of their sin. That's why in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we can read that and we can read it wholeheartedly and proclaim it, that they're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, something God has gifted to us. So when you begin to look at Scripture and you look at it in its context, you begin to understand that Christ died for the whole world in one sense, but also efficaciously he died for the elect. Even in our in, in, in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, it says right there, who gave himself for who? For us, to redeem us from the lawlessness and to purify for himself. Look at what it says, a people. It's very particular. He's drawn the boundary lines for his own possession. So it's gone from 
We've read scriptures last week and this week that from the world, the whole world, Christ died for the world, for God so loved the world, down to many, and now we're down to us. That's why in Isaiah 53, 8, it says he died for the transgressions of what? My people. Very particular. And look over at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Hopefully you can understand the ramifications if you get this wrong. (laughs) I mean, it affects everything from your prayer life to your evangelism to everything. John chapter 10, look at verse 11. We we, we touched a little bit on this, but I just want to re-examine this because I think it's important that we put this in our minds. Jesus says there in verse 11, John 10, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life, oh, for the sheep, for the sheep. Verse 15, even as the Father knows me and I am the Father, I know the Father and I lay down my life, what? Not for the world, but for the many, but for the sheep. See what it says there? That's that's so important that we understand that. Verse 26, you don't believe because you're not my what? You're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give to them, what? Eternal life. And they shall never perish. See, the Bible is very clear, and it says that Christ died for his sheep. And even over in John 17, verse 9, when Jesus is praying, he says, I'm praying for them. But he tells us who he's not praying for, too. Look at this. This might blow your mind. I am not praying for the world. Wow. Jesus isn't praying for the world? No, he's not praying for the world. I'm not interceding for the world. That's what he says. But for those, what? Whom you have given me, for they are yours. Very particular, very individualistic, very boundaries right there. I mean, it's, it's, it's the church. He's interceding for those whom he's chosen. Even down in verse 19 says, for their sake I sanctify or consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through the word. So not just the apostles, but all who are going to come to faith in Christ. So he says very clearly, I'm not going to be praying for the world. I'm praying for those whom you have given me. Very narrow. See, Jesus Christ, you have to remember, he's a high priest. What does a high priest do? He intercedes on behalf of the people before God. That's what a priest does. That's what the role of a priest is. In other words, you know what? The people can't come directly into God's presence. Remember in the Old Testament, they had the Holy of Holies and all that stuff? Well, who was allowed in there? Everybody? No, they couldn't go in there and start singing praises. They'd be snuffed out. They needed a priest to go in there, someone who was appointed by God. And he kind of was the mediator between the people and their God. He would go in and do the sacrificing on behalf of the people. When Jesus Christ came, he is the ultimate high priest. When he came as priest, he also came as a sacrifice, and he was a perfect sacrifice. So when Christ died on the cross, that's why at the end when he was hanging there, And before he gave up his 
last breath, he uttered the words, It is what? It is finished. That ended the priestly duties right there. There's no, no, more, no longer a need for a priest to go in between God and the people. Matter of fact, we're called the kingdom of what? Priests. <laughs> and so who is he the high priest for? Who is he making sacrifice for? Well, it doesn't say the whole world. It says those whom were given to him. Those whom were elect. Those whom were part of the church. He intercedes for those whom God has given to him. Look over at Ephesians chapter 5. It's very similar idea here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And it's in the context of marriage and husbands and wives and everything. But I want you to listen to this because it, it's so, it just marks it out for us very clearly. Even when we're talking about family and marriage and everything, what does the scripture say? Paul writes here in Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, what? Love your wives, right? Amen, right? Love your wives. That was kind of weak. Amen? Amen, all right. Love your wives, as what? Christ loved the world. Oh, doesn't say that, does it? No. Loved the church and gave himself up for her, the church. He died for the sheep. He died for the church. He prays for the ones whom God has chosen before the foundation of the world. He gave his life for the church. He didn't give his life for the whole world. You can see where it just keeps constricting, narrower and narrower. So you can go to the scripture and you can see where there is an indication that God so loved the world. And we looked at those verses. And he died to reconcile the world and he paid the ransom for all. And there's an extent to which salvation extends to the whole world. We call that common grace. Temporary blessing withholding of God's immediate judgment, giving them space and time to repent and believe. But there's also those verses that we looked at here that says that he died for the many. And you ask, well, who are the many? The many are those who believe. Well, who believes? They are the elect, the one the Father has given to him, namely the church. Do you know the church was predetermined before there even was a church? <laughs> In eternity past. And that's how we have to understand the sacrifice of Christ. I mean, the, the question is this. I mean, in all honesty, why did God choose some and not the rest? We don't know that. But you can also ask the question, why did God choose anybody? <laughs> why in the world would he choose anybody? Especially because they're not, they didn't do anything for him. Right? Salvation isn't based on something we do. See, that's what I'm trying to show you. It's the grace of God. It's in the heart of God that he desires us to be saved. Now, how that all works out, I mean, if you, if you completely understand that, wow, that's just amazing. How God harmonizes his sovereign choice and our volition with his purposes and election and all that stuff, I don't understand but what I want you to see in Titus is that we serve a God who saves. And he longs to save people and free them from the penalty of sin. That's our God. 
That's why he is so different. And yet, in the same frame of mind, if they don't come to the Savior, they are just... I think that we we have to be reminded as we talk about this that there is is a world outside these doors that is lost and quickly on their way to hell. Um, so when we see the appearing of God's grace, it's first, it's a sovereign grace. What do I mean by that? It's, it's, it's sovereign. It's, it's from God. We, we sing the, the, uh, the, the hymn or the chorus uh, in, in Christ alone. And, and the one phrase in there, it talks about no power on earth or hell, right? Can, can, can kind of interfere here. Nothing can interfere with our salvation. It's a sovereign grace. It began long, long time ago in eternity past. You can go back to the Old Testament and you can find. See, our, our, our problem is that sometimes we think, well, we live in the age of grace. Well, we do. We live in the church age. God sent his son and we can experience salvation readily. And I hear people say once in a while, I'm glad I don't live in the Old Testament, man, because I'd be dead. No, you wouldn't. God is a gracious God. I don't care if it's in the New Testament or the Old Testament. Don't think for a minute that God didn't save in the Old Testament. He did. And he saved not on a basis of works. He saved by faith. Through his grace. That's why in Micah 7, 18, we read that verse, Who is a God like thee? That's the Old Testament. Who what? Pardons iniquity. Passes over. Does not retain his anger. But delights in his kindness. It's the kindness of God we read last week that leads us to repentance. Satan is the opposite. He delights in evil, wickedness, slaughter, hell, all that. That's why his religions are based on fear. Ours ours are based on the love of God. I mean, think of it this way. The God of the Bible will be the judge. He will be the judge one day but he would rather be the Savior today and not have to judge. Trust me, he will be the executioner one day. He will, the Bible says, destroy both body and soul in hell. And that doesn't speak of annihilation. But he would rather, much rather, be the deliverer. He would much rather provide the way out. Our God will truly hold men accountable for their sin, all those who will refuse him and his free offer of salvation through grace by faith. He desires to forgive. He is justice. Just, he is righteous. And he will carry out that verdict on the sinner. And he will do so justly. But he would much rather, it's, it's much rather desire of God that he would forgive you. Why? Because it's his nature to love. It's his nature to forgive. He longs to display his grace through your life so that you can testify before people that, man, I've been saved by the grace of God. It's nothing I've done. It's based on his gift of eternal life to me. Who gets the honor? Who gets the glory? It's God. It's always God. And you can tell real quickly when someone's off on the wrong wrong foot when they begin, as even as Crisanto alluded to in his testimony. Sometimes you hear testimonies and who's it about? It's not about God, it's about them. It's about all the bad things they've done. It's about this, it's about that. And Oh yeah, yeah, then God saved me. <laughs> What's that about? 
A testimony should give glory and praise to God who saved you. It should be a, a way to put on display His grace, His love, His mercy. So Jesus sent, God sent Jesus to the cross because His justice had to be satisfied. And Jesus died on the cross satisfying the justice of God which required death. See, sometimes we get it mixed up. We think, okay, we have this debt that we owe Jesus. No, we don't owe Jesus the debt. We owe God the Father the debt. And Jesus steps in between and says, you know what, you can't pay this debt. You can never pay it. So I'm going to pay it for you. Use the illustration once in a while of, I said, what if, what if I was going to give you a, a check for $1,000? Well, I could refuse it. I wouldn't take it. People that talk about their free will, they say that. And what they're forgetting is that there's a mediator between them and God. It's not a direct transaction. Our sin is owed, our debt of sin is owed to God. He will be the one carrying out judgment on our sin. Christ steps in between us and says, you know what, I'm going to pay your debt. It would be like if you, a better illustration would be if you had a credit card debt of $500. You got your bill today and it, you looked at it, well, I owe $500. I got to pay it on the 15th. So you were going to call the credit card company and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to wire you the money. I'm going to send you the money. I'm going to pay off this debt. And you call them and they say, uh, sorry, sir, it's already been paid. Well, I didn't pay it. Well, it doesn't matter. It's been paid. <laughs> In the meantime, somebody who knew you had that debt sent a check to the visa company and they cashed this other person's check. You had no idea what was going on. And it was accounted to you and your account, $500, making the balance zero. You can't call the credit card company and say, you know what, that's not fair. You didn't check with me first. Do you think they're going to care? No. Why? Because... You owed them the debt. All they care about is the debt is paid. They don't care if your neighbor pays it, your grandma pays it, who pays it. They just want the debt paid. That's how it is between us and God. We owe God the Father a debt, and Jesus Christ stepped in before the foundation of the world and paid for our debt. Because before the foundation of the world, he chose us to be in him. His sovereign grace is sovereign because Christ himself is called the Savior just look at verse 4, chapter 1. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Chapter 2, verse 13. Right there in our text. Our great God and Savior who? Christ Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 6. Once again, it mentions Jesus Christ our Savior. But you know what? Jesus Christ is not the only Savior. You say, what? Jesus Christ is not the only Savior. God is called Savior in Titus 1.3. says right there. Titus chapter 1, verse 3. God our Savior. Also 2.10. God our Savior. Verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior. It's very important that we understand that, that God is a saving 
God. That he wants us to experience salvation. 1 John 4.14 says, And we beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be what? The Savior of the world. It's God's saving grace. We're gonna, not going to take time, but you can look at all those verses there that I listed in the Old Testament. And it speaks of the saving grace of God. Because sometimes we think, oh, the saving grace of God is just available in the New Testament. No, God is the same, beloved. He operated the same way in the Old Testament. They looked forward to the cross, we look back. In Genesis forty nine eighteen, it says, For thy salvation I wait, O Lord. God just wasn't some angry man or some angry God in the Old Testament, just judge, judge, judge. No, he was a saving God. He's the same God that we serve today. His grace is saving. It's also sufficient. It's sufficient. That's why we can wholeheartedly go out of this place and tell anybody, you know what, there's a great salvation. If if you will just put your faith, your trust in Christ. Because God so loved the world. That he gave his son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't allow our theology to get in the way of our evangelism. That's not how God intended it. I pray that you have tasted of God's amazing grace. Next week, we'll continue through our verses here back in Titus. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we pray that you would help us to um, have that burden that you so readily show us through your word that we need to go out of this place and share the gospel with those who have yet to hear. Father, we don't go out of this place looking for those who are elect because we don't know who they are. And you haven't told us who they are. We don't have, they don't have a yellow stripe running down their back. So, Lord, that should motivate us to run out of this place with even more boldness and share the goodness of the gospel with everybody that we come across because we know that some will be elect. Some will come to faith in Christ. And what a glorious thing that you would choose to use someone like us to share that glorious message and see that life transformed. Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding in these things because they're deep things, they're hard things to comprehend. And yet that's what your word teaches very clearly. Father, I pray this morning if there's anyone here who has yet to put their faith, their trust in Christ, Lord, that they would be, the obe- be obedient to the call of the gospel, that they would come and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would understand that he paid entirely for their sin. And that when they, by faith, put their belief in him, that their sins are canceled out. They're buried in the depths of the sea. No matter how bad they are, he is sufficient to save to the uttermost. Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. 
If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, well, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. And then, as I mentioned at the beginning of our time together today, summertime means Vacation Bible School. And here at Grace Bible Church, our Vacation Bible School is scheduled for June 16th through the 20th, 6 p.m. to 8.45 in the evening, from preschool through grade 5. It's Weird Animals, where Jesus' love is one of a kind. Take a walk on the wild side. We have untamed games, lip-smacking snacks, surprise adventures, amazing experiments, new friends, and incredible music. It's all here at Grace Bible Church, 2225 Euclid Avenue in Redwood City. Again, June 16th through the 20th. For information, call 650-366-366. 9923, or you can register online at gracebibleonline.org. Registration is free, and $5 is requested for the VBS t-shirt, which is optional. Again, gracebibleonline.org is the place to go, or call 650-366-9923. It's Vacation Bible School at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, June 16th through the 20th. We hope to see you there. And trust we'll see you next week at the same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.